Jesus is no longer on that cross. Jesus is no longer in the grave. We have just learned that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And if he is raised from the dead, it means that we are not worshiping a dead God. (laughs) But we are worshiping a God who lives. I want to try and take you just a step farther today. I I want to try to take you past the point of resurrection to what Jesus is currently doing now and what he can do in our life now. So since the Lord has risen from the dead, we want to know what is he like now since he has risen. Can I invite you to open up your Bibles to Luke And we're going to read Luke 24, and we'll start in verse 13 and read on down to verse 32. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to 32. If you're with the neighbor and the neighbor has the Bible, please share your Bible with them. Before I read this one, I would like to say that out of each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, John, they don't actually record record this part of the story. But Luke does. Because Luke is writing to an audience of people who... They don't know very much about Jesus, or they don't know very much about the history and so forth behind this religion. So he's writing to a group of people to help them understand what took place after Jesus was crucified on the cross. He was buried and then resurrected from the dead. Just moments and hours after the resurrection. So he says in verse 13, Now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleophas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests, And our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was one of, he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him, they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to heart to believe that all the prophet has spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what? was said in all the scripture concerning himself. As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus acted as if he 
if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from from their sight. So we have a story where Jesus has risen from the dead, and we have two of Jesus' disciples who are going back to small town Naimas. And we notice that within this story that these disciples, they are going back a little bit depressed. And they, as they walk along the road and talking about, hey, this was the Christ. He performed all these miracles, but, but now he's gone. He's gone. He's not with us anymore. We were thinking that he was going to come and he was going to be this king and he was going to overturn the Roman rule and so forth. But now he's gone. He's not alive anymore. These guys were depressed. And Jesus came along and he walked with them. There's a couple things that I feel that we should learn about this aspect. He came alone and he walked with them. And what does this tell us about the resurrection and about Jesus? It tells us that, first of all, that Jesus, he is not some kind of, the resurrection has not made him some kind of God who is way out there or way over there. It's not made him some remote God. The resurrection tells us that Jesus had made it possible for God Almighty to have a relationship with me and you. He's not some God, again, that we can look, that we can think that, oh, he's just untouchable. Yes, he's very touchable. He came and he walked with them. What is the second thing that we can tell? We can tell from this aspect of it that the resurrection has not made Jesus some guy who would blow himself up and become this prideful king, but it, the resurrection, Jesus is still very tender. He was very concerned about these guys. He was very concerned about why are they being sad? What was their problem? He was concerned for them. And you notice that the Bible says that Jesus just did not drop into their life and just disappear. He said that he continued to walk with them. He continued to walk with them. Friends, I'm going to tell you today, you might be saying, well, what does this have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Because just like those disciples in whom Jesus came and walked with, Jesus again, he wants to walk with me and you. (laughs) What is he like since his resurrection? Jesus is the one who wants to walk with me and you. What we have to do is we have to open our heart and we have to let him come in so that he can walk with us. That's a very easy thing to do. In fact, the Bible says that if we would just confess with our mouth that he is the son of God. And that when he was buried in the ground that God the Father raised him up and we will believe that in our heart and confess it with our mouth, the Bible said we can come into a place where we can walk with God. Jesus wants to walk with you. We must ask us, why why does Jesus 
want to walk with us. I believe that Jesus wants to walk with us because I believe that Jesus wants to give you everything that your little old heart desires. Let's, let's look at something here. Jesus wants to walk with us to lead us. He wants to guide us into all truth. There's one person in whom I feel knew this very well. And I'm going to take you there. I think that we know of this particular psalm and we hear it all the time. And we sing it probably in some hymns and so forth. But it's sitting I believe that God wants to show us when we walk with him what he can do in our lives. Look at Psalms. We turn to Psalms. Psalms chapter 23. Psalm chapter 23. I want you to make sure that you keep your place in Luke chapter 24 because we will be returning back to. In Psalm chapter 23, the Lord wants to walk with us and lead us. So that we can be able to get all of those things in which we sometimes make our pursuit after. Something like fame. Something like wealth. Something like security. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not be in want. I know that there are many people here who want to live a life like that. Want to live a life where you have no wants in your life. I can tell you for sure today. If you make a decision to walk with Jesus. Invite him into your conversation. and Invite him into your life and let him walk with you. I can guarantee you that you will have no wants in your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Plenty. He leads me by quiet waters. He restores my soul. Every single one of us, I'm sure, we get tired at times. And the journey feels so long. And we have so much going on in our life that we get tired and we get overwhelmed and we get burdened and so forth. Did you know that Jesus, he don't want you to walk like that alone. He don't want you to feel that alone. Jesus wants to come alongside of you so that in that time you can be refreshed and restored by him. Sometimes we, we go to the spa we get the cool refreshing drink and it refreshes us for a short time but I'm talking about someone who can refresh me so that I don't have to go to the spa and I don't have to go to the drink any longer uh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> he guides me in paths of righteousness Jesus wants to walk with us because he wants to lead us into all righteousness. See, the problem is that our righteousness is not the same as God's righteousness. What we may think is right, God surely don't think is right. See, some of us think that as long as I can go on to the church or show up to the church on every single Sunday or go to every single class it may be, that it makes me right with God. No, that don't make you right with God. God has clearly outlined what makes, what makes us right with him. He says that only believing that in the shed blood of Jesus to be able to remove your sins, that's what makes you righteous before God. And God wants to come alongside of us and grab our hands and just lead us into a place of righteousness that we may walk in righteousness. 
Oh, I feel in this hour, we're in desperate need of a people who are willing to say, I cannot do it. I need help from someone to help me to be able to live a righteous life. I'm here today to tell you that only Jesus can. Going to church is not going to do it. Inviting Jesus in your life to say, hey, Jesus, walk with me. Jesus, lead me. That's the way you're going to become righteous. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus wants to walk to you, walk with us so that he gives us plenty so that we can walk in righteousness and also so that we can know that we are protected. It was a dangerous thing to have sheep just roaming along in the valley. Why? Because there were predators out there that were ready to destroy the sheep. And they had a shepherd who walked along with them. And he fought off everything that would try to destroy them. We don't need the tanks. We don't need the guns. All we need is Jesus. We need his protection in our lives. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This life in which we now live is temporal. It's temporal. But Jesus, he said, I have come And I have come to give you life and life to the full. He was not talking about all of the extravagant things that we talk about here. He was talking about a life that would be everlasting. An everlasting life. With God forever. To live in the presence of God forever. That's what Jesus has promised. And he can give us <laughs> that promise because I am not to know anyone else to live a sinless life, to be put on a cross and killed wrongfully, and to be buried in the ground when on the third day rose from the dead. I can guarantee you that there are some remains of Buddha. I can guarantee you that there are some remains of Mohammed. I can guarantee it. But when we look for Jesus, we cannot find a remain. Because Jesus has risen. <laughs> That's what separates Jesus from any other religious leader. The resurrection. And the ability to be able to give eternal life to all who will believe in him. Jesus wants to walk with you, and he wants to walk with me. What else do this story in Luke tell us? Jesus, that he is ri- now that he is risen, he is the God who wants to walk with us. Turn back to 20, uh, Luke 24 again. What else can we see? Oh, I got plenty of time today so I can preach to you today. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Verse 17. Luke chapter 24, verse 17. He says, He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcasted. One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. And before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him, but we had hope 
He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of, the, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a, a vision of an angel who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the woman said. But, when, but him they did not see. And then it goes on down to verse 28. The first thing that I noted here, and I want you to note, is notice how Jesus is questioning them. He says, what things? What things are you talking about? You think that Jesus did not know? I, I, I would probably differ. I believe Jesus knew exactly what they were talking about. But I think that Jesus, I believe he wanted to, them to express to him. He wanted them to tell him. In the same way that Jesus wanted them to tell him about what was going on, is the same thing that Jesus wants me and you to do today. When we face in situation, again, it's clear that these guys were depressed. They were having a hard time. Because them, the one in whom they had put all of their trust in and seen do all of these miracles, he was now, to them, dead. And they were concerned. And Jesus walks alongside of them and says, what are you guys talking about? Please let me know. What are you talking about? Because he cares for them. Each, of, each one of us, we're not immune to problems. Problems are going to happen in this life. We can make a decision or choice to, make, to say, do I want to go through these problems alone or do I want someone who is able to take me up and over these problems to go with me through them? In other words, what did Jesus like since he's been resurrected? Not only does he want to walk with us, but Jesus himself, he cares for the problems of men. He cares for me and your problems. He wants you to express your problems to him. He wants you to give your problems to him. That's why we are told, Peter, talking to a group of people who are facing such hardship and persecution, he says, guys, Jesus, he wants you to cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. We got so many problems going on today. People are losing their jobs. People are losing their home. We got people who are in hospitals. Some of you may have relatives who are in hospitals who got cancer in their body. There are problems going on. But Jesus, he wants us to cast those cares to him. Why? Because he cares for us. Jesus, he showed how much he cared for us. He gave up his life for me and you. I found out two weeks ago that my father, who I have pictures as a man who is very strong, has been healthy all, virtually all of his life. I found out two weeks ago, just in going in and checking up, they, they located a lump in his colon. And when they biopsied, it came back cancerous. When I first heard that, I have to admit to you, my heart was broken. Because this is someone I've been looking up to for the, my whole life. But God reminded me, I don't want you to take that all yourself. Give it to me. Cast it to me. Some of you sitting in this room here today, 
You've been asked or encouraged by someone today because they probably haven't noticed that you looked a little bit depressed because you were going through something. They wanted you to hear that Jesus, he loves you. And he wants you to give that problem to him. He wants you to, he wants to carry. He don't want you to carry it. He don't want you to feel so burdened and so wore down that you cannot live life to the fullest. He wants you to cast your care upon him. He loves you. He didn't just die on the cross for just do something. He died on the cross simply because he loves all people. And he wants you to cast that thing on him. Don't hold it. Someone asked me, well, what is the difference between a Christian and someone who hasn't given their life to Christ? When both of these people I see are blessed. Well, I think there are two things. The first thing is the one who is in Christ. He or she is secure about his future after they die and leave this world. The second thing, as I said before, all of us are not immune to problems. Every single one of us have problems in our life. But I can tell you for sure, me, it's good that I know as a Christian that Jesus is going through that problem with me versus not knowing if somebody is going to go through that problem with me. Some of the saddest people on this earth are people in whom when they are in the hospital and they're dying and no one comes to visit them and no one comes to be with them. That's one of the saddest moments. But to know that even if I'm in a situation like that, if no one comes to me, comes to visit me, I know that I can get on my knees or I can cry out to Jesus and I know that Jesus will be there because he cares for me. He cares for my problems. He wants us to give our problems to him. He didn't want his disciples to handle, hold a shoulder that problem. He says, give it to me. And he walks with him. What is he like since his resurrection? He wants to walk with me and you. He wants to let you know that he cares for our problems. And he wants to take those. The last thing that we're going to look at, the last thing that we're going to see about Jesus in this. Let's take up in verse 30. Luke chapter 24, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Here we see again the disciples, <laughs> they were hard, their heart was broken. And they were down. And they were discouraged. And through that discouragement, they had forgot about all of the miracles, the wonders that Jesus had performed. They had forgot about that. Their hearts had grown cold now. They needed their hearts to be ignited again. They needed their hearts to be rekindled, the fire and the flame to be rekindled. Next, and we see also that when we talk about Jesus and what is he like, 
Jesus, since his resurrection, he is the God who wants to set the hearts of men on fire. Now, I'm not talking about getting in my pocket and lighting a literal match you light to smoke a cigarette or something. What I'm talking about, he wants to put a passion that burns so deep inside of your heart, a passion for life, a passion to change, a passion to serve him. He wants to put that passion and desire in your heart. And notice how Jesus put this passion and this fire into the hearts of his disciples in this text. Notice what did he do. The Bible says that when he was walking along the road, um, he noticed that that was so slow at believing. The Bible said that Jesus went back and he took them through the scripture. And as he took them through the scripture, their heart began to get stirred and their heart began to feel a passion again. A, a, the flame began to be ignited. So Jesus, he took them to Scripture. And their heart began to get stirred up. We are told that Scripture itself, Scripture causes us to see things in our life that should not be in our lives. And it brings us to that point so that we may repent. And we may have a change of thinking and turn around and start walking in a new way. (laughs) That's why Jesus, when he always came, he always announced that, repent and believe. Have a change of thinking and then believe. (laughs) Some of you today, you've been trying to do it your own way. You've been walking your own way and you've run yourself right into problems and situations that you cannot handle. Jesus is saying to you today, repent. Change your thinking today and begin to call on him and believe that he is the son of God. He wants to set your heart on fire. Not only did Jesus take them through scripture, the Bible say that when Jesus, the minute that he took up the food for that supper that evening, the minute He broke it and gave thanks. The Bible said that eyes were open. When Jesus, when he showed them the scripture, and then when he also showed them his wounds, he showed them the suffering that he had to go through, the suffering that he, he had to take to be able to redeem mankind, their hearts were rekindled. Their fire was ignited in their hearts. A passion was laced inside of them. Some of you sit in this very room. Somebody took you to a Jesus movie, and they saw, you saw a Jesus movie, and tears welled up in your eyes, and you started to cry because you could not believe such an awesome God would die for you in such a way. See, sometimes we try to take the brutality out of the cross. And we can't. We must not. We must recognize that Jesus, he took such a beating for me. He was bruised to a point to where he, no one can recognize him. And he just didn't do that just for the fun of doing it. He did it because he wanted to express his love for you. The Bible said that Jesus, he demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. Sometimes it's such a hard thing to comprehend that. But Jesus, he died for you because he loves you. Brothers and sisters, now that Jesus has risen from the dead, you ask the question, what is he like now? He is the God who wants to walk with you and know you in a personal way. He is the God who recognizes your problem and he wants to let you know he cares for the problems in which you go through. Thirdly, he wants to put such a burning desire in your heart for you to walk in righteousness, to walk with him. 
He wants to stir your heart up so well, so much so that your life, when you leave this place, it will never be the same. Can I ask something to you today? Is your heart in the place to where it's cold and it needs a fire to be ignited again? Jesus can bring that passion into your heart. Before I ask again, the pastor to come up here. I would like to share with you that. My whole hope and my whole desire used to be that I was going to run after this thing, what you call basketball, and it was going to provide a life for me that, well, I didn't need nothing else in life have about four or five cars a palace to live in something like that that was my dream that was my whole pursuit in life but I tell you my friend it only took one encounter really with Jesus one encounter with Jesus to come and to change my life to where put down that basketball and I begin to proclaim the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. See, because Jesus, he can wake a dead man. He can raise a dead person. You see, because that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit can come to us and live in us and raise us from a dead life in which we are living as well. changed me. He has given me hope to live for. He has given me all that I need. Do I have all the riches? No, I don't. Do I have have all the money? No, I don't. Am I immune to problems? No, I'm not. But I can tell you, my friend, If you're asking me, is this the happiest that I've ever been? I would say yes to you. Is this the most fulfilled that I have been? I would say yes to that. Is it the most secure that I have felt in my life? I would say yes to that. Because Jesus has came in and Jesus has changed my life. And I believe that if Jesus can raise a dead man like me, Jesus can also raise you on this world too. And he can give you a full life. He can give you a life that where doesn't compare to what this world can offer us. Are you ready to receive that person? Are you at a point in time where you're just done with trying yourself? And you say, Jesus, I come to you today. I'm here. I lay my life before you. Please help me. I believe Jesus will help you. Pastor, I'd like to invite you to come. coming today. Um, Many of you are guests here. You may not know that I'm a pastor of this church and also I'm a neurosurgeon on the east side. And I'm really glad that I come to know Jesus and I'd like to invite you to do the same thing. I was not born in a Christian family. Actually, I did not even know about God when I was young. But Many years ago, somebody told me about Jesus and about the Bible. I didn't believe in the Bible. I didn't believe in Jesus. But I gave myself a chance to go and study the Bible. And because as a scientist or as as a doctor, you look for evidences. In order to make the diagnosis, you need to find evidences 
that the patient has disease. So the first thing I did, I looked for evidences. After I studied the Bible, I find that there are so many millions of evidences to prove that the Bible is the Word of God, is from God. And as a scientist, as a neurosurgeon, I could not deny that the Bible was not just man's word, but is God's word. Scientific evidences, archaeological evidences, historical evidences, testimony of people, all the evidences prove. Then I opened myself to study about Jesus Christ. So it took me three months to learn about Jesus. And there are two things that really impacted me to believe in Jesus. Number one, on the cross, why everybody tortured him, ridiculed him, and tried to kill him. He said, Father, please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That really melted my heart because when I was a young man, I learned that if they kick me on the side, I need to do the round kick back. If they punch me, I need to do the side kick back because I was a taekwondo, third degree back blow. So I would like to fight back. But Jesus said, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. That really melted my heart. I know that this must be really the living God. Not only that, the second thing that really melted me to believe in God is when Jesus was raised from the dead. And as a doctor, I know it's impossible. Three days died. The heart stopped beating. The oxygen stopped going to the lung. You can save people after five minutes if they stop, the heart stopped breathing, no oxygen to the brain. We call brain dead after five minutes. And there's no way you can raise that person up. You need to do resuscitation and get the oxygen back to the brain within five minutes. Otherwise, the patient will die. So three days later, a person who was dead and proven to be dead was raised from the dead by God. I know that this is definitely the true and living God. Then I invited Jesus to come into my life 20 something years ago. Then I can see the power of resurrection. From my personal experience, God is real. Jesus is real. That power of resurrection that you saw in the skit a while ago helped me to have victory. To become free from the past pain and regret. Jesus said that if the Son make you free, you shall be free indeed. Before I became a Christian, I was rejected by a lot of my friends in the high school. I made so many mistakes. I was in regret. I was in resentment because friends deserted me when I finished high school. But when Jesus came in, the power of God came into my life and I can forget all those pains and suffering and regret now I forgive my friend I love them I can be free from the past regret and past resentment I can be free you cannot move on to the future if you are still living in the past and in my own personal experience that power that power of resurrection can give me freedom can give me power to overcome the pressure of today how many people have pressure of today? Financial pressure, family pressure, kids, and you know, debt, all the pressure. Many times in my life, when I performed the operation and the patient was in trouble, could not stop bleeding, have a hard time trying to, res- to save that man or that patient, you know what I did? I cry now for the power of resurrection. I said, Jesus, help me right now. You have power to help me. You are my rock. You are my stability. You are my helper. You are my fortress. Right away, God helped me. One time, the patient had bleeding from inside here and couldn't stop. And I tried to stop and I was, my, my heart was pounding because she going to die. She fell off from a motorcycle. And the bleeding came out and nonstop. Keep bleeding out from the base of the skull. And I remember I shout out loud in the operating room in Overlake Hospital. And the nurse was shocked. I said, Jesus, help me. This lady is dying. You know, right after I say that, the bleeding stopped. Supernaturally. The power of resurrection can help you to face the pressure of today. Whatever pressure you have today, He has the power to help you. Not only that, 
the power of resurrection can help you to have hope for the future. Amen. You, some of you may be worried about your stock market right now. Your 401k, your job, you may be losing your job. But I want to encourage you. He has the power to help you. You don't need to be alone. He can help you. He can help you have peace. A lot of things in our life we cannot change. When you cannot change the circumstances, you start to get worried. You start to get, lose hope. You start to get discouraged, and you don't know what you're g o i n g to do in life. You kind of feel very desperate because you lose hope. But with Jesus, you don't have to lose hope. The Lord Jesus said in the Bible, He said, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me." For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God give us the power, so you can rest and you can smile every day. My wife always asks me, "Are you in stress right now? Tomorrow you're gonna operate on a aneurysm." I say, "I can just give to Jesus, and tomorrow the Lord gonna guide my hand. I don't have to lose sleep. I can rest tonight." I can walk into the operating room with confidence that Jesus will be with me, and He has been with me, and He helped me in every step of the surgery, and the patient did well. So I want to encourage all of you to do the same thing like I did 27 years ago. Jesus is alive, and He can help you to have freedom from the past pain. He can help you to have freedom. From the pressure of today, and it can help you to have hope for the future that you cannot even control. But He is in control. How many people want to have that kind of power in your life? Raise your hand up. How many people want to have victory and freedom from the past pain of your life? Raise your hand up. You need Jesus. You cannot handle those those things by yourself. How many people want to have power to face the pressure of today and have victory? Raise your hand up. Amen. How many people want to have the victory and freedom from the pessimism and from the uh, hopelessness and desperation of the future? You don't have to worry about stock market. You don't have to worry about the economy. You don't have to worry about your family, your kids, because God gonna help you. You cry out to Him, He gonna help you. How many people want to have that kind of hope? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Very simple. We were not created to handle all this pressure by ourselves. That's why a lot of people have to take Prozac, Valium, and Amitriptyline, and have to go to see doctor. They could not sleep because we were not created to handle life by ourselves. We were created to hook up with God, and God can help us. And even as a neurosurgeon like me, need God to help me. How about you? Do you need God? I need God more than you. I know that because I have to operate on people's brain all the time. I need God to help me to resolve the problem of the people's brain. Actually, uh, I just give quick testimony. On Friday night, I have to operate on a man who has severe leg pain, and when I look at the X-ray, it's a mess. Like I look at the X-ray, God, this is a mess. I even told the wife that this is a mess. I'm not sure that he's gonna come out no pain because it's a mess. He had radiation. Before 40 years ago, the surgery was done there before, so I cannot go into a mess. But I pray, Jesus, you need to help me in this case on Friday night around 11 p.m. I went in. God led me every single step. The surgery went so well. I came out and told the wife that it was perfect. He woke up that night, no pain, and I just got a phone call. <laughs> I just got a phone call. I walk out to. Send him home. He want to go home. He say, "I want to go home right now." No pain. Jesus is the answer of my life because I pray to him and he help me. Amen. You can face anything in your life. The Bible say, "I can do all things through Him who strengthens me." Him in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage everyone today. Make the same decision I made 27 years ago. Very simple. You just believe in your heart that Jesus is God. He is your Savior. He was raised from the dead, and you say, "Jesus, come into my heart right now. I call upon your name right now. 
I give my life to you. I become a child of God today, and my life has guarantee that I can face tomorrow and I can face the pressure today. And after I leave this world, for sure, I will be in heaven for eternity. Amen. How many people want to do that? Raise your hand up and wave your hand to God. Raise, raise up, up high. Say, God, I need you. I really need you in my life. Financial pressure, no problem. Family pressure, no problem. Raise your hand up and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Raise your hand up. Yes, Lord. Raise your hand up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Raise your hand up. Yes. Hi, 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 hi. Let me see your hand. Hi, up high. <laughs> Hallelujah. While you're keeping your hand up, pray with me right now. Pray with me, Father in heaven. I thank you, Lord, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. We thank you, Father, that Jesus was not in the tomb; he was raised from the dead. And he has victory. He has the power to overcome death. No death problem in my life can stay there because the power of resurrection can raise that death problem to life again. Jesus, come into my life right now. To become my God and my Savior, I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. From today on, I can have freedom from the pain of the past. I can have freedom from the pressure of today, and I can have freedom. From the pessimism, hopelessness, and discouragement about tomorrow, in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's give the mighty hand of praises to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Congratulations. Amen. So I'd like to encourage those who accept Christ today the first time that. Don't just go home and forget about this. You know, you need to really plug into the family of God. Find a good church that teach the Bible. Find a good church that people love one another and love God. Read the Bible. Start to pray to God. If you pray, God can answer you. When you do something, just ask God and talk to God. God can answer you because God is real. Jesus is still alive today, and He can be with you everywhere you go. Amen. Start to pray. Start to read the Bible. Start to go to church. Get into the fellowship. Be around the believer so that you can be inspired to continue in faith. Amen. You need everyone need that. I need that too. Amen.